They say the best things in life are free. In Matthew's gospel, Jesus states, freely you've received, freely give. Everything we do here at Renewed Heart Ministries is for free. We are a not-for-profit adult religious re-education ministry, helping folks rediscover and understand the teachings of the Jesus of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. If you'd like to help us do what we do, I'll tell you how you can become a supporter of Renewed Heart Ministries after this. But for now, it's our hope that as you listen, your heart will be renewed, and inspired to embody the beautiful values and teachings of the Jesus story. Till the only world that remains is a world where love reigns. This is Herb Montgomery from Renewed Heart Ministries, and I want to welcome you to this week's weekly podcast. I'm in Seattle this week, so the recording may sound just a little bit different. We're in a different environment. But our title this week is The Beatitudes for the Poor, Hungry, and the Morning. This is our series on Sayings Gospel Q. Our feature passage from Sayings Gospel Q this week is uh, 6, 20 through 21. And raising his eyes to his disciples, he said... Blessed are you poor, for God's reign is for you. Blessed are you who hunger, for you will eat your fill. Blessed are you who mourn, for you will be consoled. We begin this series on the sayings of Jesus and sayings gospel cue with the passage in cue where the opening narrative ends and Jesus begins to teach. This passage has parallels in Luke, Matthew, and the first century Christian text, the Gospel of Thomas. From Luke 6, 20-21, Looking at his disciples, he said, Blessed are you who are poor, for yours is the kingdom of God. Blessed are you who hunger now, for you will be satisfied. Blessed are you who weep now, for you will laugh. Matthew takes this and uh, expands it a bit. Matthew 5, 1-4, Now when Jesus saw the crowds, he went up on the mountainside and sat down. His disciples came to him, and he began to teach them. He said, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn for they will be comforted. Uh, Gospel of Thomas 54, Jesus says, Blessed are the poor, for the kingdom of heaven belongs to you. And Gospel of Thomas 69 too, Blessed are the hungry, for the belly of him who desires will be filled. The ethic of charity, taking care of the, the less fortunate or the poor or the weaker sections of our societies, long predates the teachings of Jesus. What Jesus is doing here is not admonishing us to take care of the poor, but rather announcing that the situations of the poor, the mourning and and those that are hungry, are about to be reversed. And I'll I'll explain. If we live in a society of limited resources, then someone, uh, then for someone to hold on to more than what they need, like, like wealth, Uh, means that someone else is going without what they need. Countless philosophers and sages throughout the centuries have taught uh, this principle to one degree or another. Gandhi spoke of the earth providing each day enough for every person's needs, but not every person's greed. Uh, Karl Marx described our societies as as pyramids with the wealthy elite at the top and the masses of of working class and poor at the bottom. In first century Jerusalem had a similar social structure. The Greek and the Romans 
the, uh, these, the empires had monetized the region, and historians estimate that over 2 million Jew, Jewish people lived outside of Jerusalem. Each male uh, older than 20 years of age, as a part of this 2 million, was required to pay an annual half-shekel temple tax. And so the temple amassed an enormous amount of wealth. Uh, Josephus recorded Rome uh, at least three times forcibly taking money from the temple during its occupation uh, in that region. And and I'll put the links to that. from uh, there, There's uh, one, two, uh, three from the Jewish War and three also from Jewish Antiquities. And I'll put the link to those uh, references for Josephus in this week's e-site. But when Judea was placed under Roman uh, prefect, the temple became the primary Jewish political institution. It all centered in the temple. And during this time, the, the temple took on more of a, the role of a, of a national treasury, or, or to use a word that we would be familiar with today, a, a bank for the wealthy aristocracy of Jerusalem. And uh, William uh, Herzog, in his book, Jesus, Justice, and the Reign of God, A Ministry of Liberation, he writes, it is quite possible that under pressure of this increasingly wealthy elite, the temple began to make loans on their behalf or to hold their capital so they could proffer from such loans to the poor. Uh, the wealthy, uh, looking for ways to profit from investing their, their surplus in loans or acquiring land upon debtors' default, they created an unbearable debt load for both peasants and craftsmen. And the farmers needed these loans to survive. The wealthy sought uh, greater profits, and the temple, with its politically and, and economically privileged priesthood and, and the Jewish aristocracy living in luxury, was at the very heart of a system of economic exploitation. As Josephus records in uh, the burning of all the records of, of, of debt held in, in the temple was the first act of the, the Jewish revolt that led to the Jewish-Roman Roman War. And you can find this in the Jewish War, uh, too. Uh, 426 to 427. But the temple had become more than a site for religious worship. It had become the heart of economic oppression. And this system created wealth through making others impoverished. And so in our first passage this week from Sang's Gospel Q, Jesus does not prescribe charity for the poor as a way to maintain an unfortunate but unavoidable state of affairs in a, in a system that should be left unchanged. Jesus is calling for justice towards the poor. He's calling for a change to the entire system, uh, the system itself, for all who choose to participate. Jesus announces a path toward a great reversal where the poor are now benefited and the hungry finally and permanently have enough food. And, and for those uh, for whom the present system caused mourning, they will rejoice. The justice of Jesus involves a change for everyone. Uh, James M. Robinson, in his book, The Gospel of Jesus, states, It is no coincidence that the oldest collection of Jesus' sayings that we call the Sermon on the Mount, and, and what Matthew expanded into the Sermon on the Mount, uh, begins by pronouncing just such down-and-outers as fortunate. It is the poor, the hungry, the mourners who are blessed. The kingdom of God is not God's stamp of approval on the status quo, the powers that be, the ruling class. Rather, it is countercultural, for it gives hope to the hopeless. It is not consoling them with pie in the sky by and by, but involves concrete intervention in the lives of the needy, mitigating their plight in the here and in the now. In Luke's gospel, we come in contact with wealthy Pharisees who reject Jesus' new plan and, and wealthy tax 
wealthy tax collectors who, on the other hand, embrace it. Uh, Luke's gospel uniquely includes the parable of, of the rich man and Lazarus. Um, this is not in any of the other gospels, but it's originally a story that the Pharisees told about a rich tax collector and a poor scholar of the Torah. You can find this in, in J. Jeremiah's parables, page 183. But Luke's Jesus expands the story from being about a tax, coll- a tax collector and a Torah scholar to being about all who are wealthy, including wealthy Pharisees and all who are poor. And you can find that in Luke 16, 19-31. And we encounter in characters like Zacchaeus, um, this tax collector who responded positively to Jesus' new economics. Um, we, we, we encounter uh, these tax collectors who, who choose to give their wealth back to the poor. And you can find that in Luke 19, 1-10. We encounter Pharisees who in Luke 16, 14, who, who loved money and heard all this and were sneering at Jesus. In saying Gospel Q... We find uh, in chapter 7, verse 29 through 30, for, for John came to you, the tax collectors responded positively, but the religious authorities rejected him. And Luke and Matthew also make this point. All the people, even the tax collectors, when they heard Jesus' words, acknowledged that God's way was right because they had been baptized by John. But the Pharisees and the experts of the law rejected God's purpose for themselves because they had not been baptized by John. That's Luke 7, 29-30. And then you have Matthew 21, 32. For John came to you to show you the way of righteousness, and you did not believe him, but the tax collectors and prostitutes did. And even after you saw this, you did not repent and believe in him. So this rejection was much more than simple disagreement about Jesus' theology. The religious authorities rejected Jesus' new economics. In, in Sang's Gospel Q, we, we read one of the proofs that, that Jesus sent back to the imprisoned John. It, it, one of those proofs is that the poor are having the good news preached to, proclaimed to them. And John, on hearing about all these things, sending through his disciples, said to him, uh, Are you the one, or are we to expect someone else? And in reply, he said to, to them, Go report to John what you hear and see. The blind regain their sight, the lame walk around, the skin diseased are cleansed, and the deaf hear, and the dead are raised, and the poor are evangelized, or, or, or rather hear good news. Blessed is whoever is not offended by me. That's Q7, verse 18 through 19, and 22 through 23. Um, Luke uh, once again expands on this, Luke 7, 18 through 23. John's disciples told him about all these things. Calling two of them, he sent them to the Lord to ask, are, are you the one who is to come, or should we expect someone else? So he replied to the messengers, Go back and report to John what you have seen and heard. The blind receive their sight, the lame walk, those who have leprosy are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, and the good news is proclaimed to the poor. Blessed is anyone who does not stumble on account of me. Matthew as well in Matthew 11. When John, who was in prison, heard about the deeds of the Messiah, he sent his disciples to ask him, Are you the one who is to come, or should we expect someone else? Jesus replied, Go back and report to John what you hear and see. The blind receive sight, the lame walk, those who have leprosy are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, and good news is proclaimed to the poor. So good news to the poor is integral to the gospel that Jesus taught. And we have to ask ourselves today, if our gospel is not first and foremost good news to the poor as well, we at least need to ask whether or not our Jesus is the same one that is in the story. Sang's Gospel Q tells us that the good news was a great reversal of affairs. 
And, and, and Jesus gives three series of teachings about this. He talks about it in Q1330. The last will be first and the first will be last. You can find that in Luke 1330, Matthew 2016, and the Gospel of Thomas 4.2. Many who are first will become last. Um, Q14, everyone exalting, exalting oneself will be humbled. Uh, the, one humbling, uh, the, the one humbling oneself will be exalted. You can find that in Luke 14.11 and Matthew 23.12. In Q16.13, it says, Nobody can serve two masters, for a person will either hate the one and love the other, or be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. You can find this in Luke 16.13, Matthew 6.24, and uh, Gospel of Thomas 47, verse 2 says, it is po- it is, And it is possible for a servant, it is Im- impossible for a servant to serve two masters, else he will honor the one and insult the other. Uh, Robinson again estimates that, that Jesus must have believed, this is a quote from uh, his book again, The Gospel of Jesus, Jesus must have believed that in spite of appearances, the givens of life were basically changed. As the ideal becomes real and God rules, There are to be no poor, no hungry, no handicapped or sick, no exploiter or enemy, no mentally disturbed or force of evil. Jesus believed that this ideal was the basic reality and acted accordingly. So as we close this week, I want to address a common misunderstanding of a statement that Jesus makes in Mark and in Matthew. This is Matthew 26, 11, the poor you will always have with you but you will not always have me. You can find the parallel to this in Mark 14, 7. Some have taken these words to indicate that Jesus is proclaiming that poverty is an unavoidable reality and that it will just simply always exist no matter what we do. Um, But when we understand this statement from a Jewish perspective, we see this is not the case at all. Poverty is a human creation, and therefore it can be solved. In Jewish history, Deuteronomy 15.4 from the Revised English Bible, it reads, There will never be any poor among you if only you obey the Lord your God by carefully keeping these commandments which I lay upon you this day. Jesus is reversing this statement in Matthew and Mark from Deuteronomy um, when he states, you will always have the poor among you. Poverty, again, is a human creation, and, and, and humans could reverse it if they choose to. Jesus is showing a way for his generation to do so through, through voluntary wealth redistribution that's rooted in love for our fellow human beings. Yet the wealthy elite of his day, including Judas, uh, rejected his teachings in favor of greed. And as long as they held on to their, their present system rather than eliminating poverty, they would immortalize poverty. It would always be with them. But the choice was theirs. The poverty of Jesus' day was the result of, of an unjust system. And just as following Yahweh's laws would have eliminated poverty in ancient Judaism, uh, following the ways of Jesus could have eliminated poverty in the first century. Luke's narrative in Acts, um, I believe, explains the results of those who chose to give Jesus' economic teachings a try. In Acts 4, 32-35, it says, All the believers were one in heart and mind. No one claimed that any of their possessions was their own, but they shared everything they had. With great power, the apostles continued to testify to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and God's grace was so powerfully at work among them that there were no needy persons among them. 
For from time to time those who owned land or houses sold them, brought the money from the sales, and put it at the apostles' feet, and it was distributed to anyone who had need. What were uh, Jesus' economic teachings? Um, We'll learn more about those as we continue in our study of Sayings Gospel Q. Uh, Sayings Gospel Q actually includes those economic teachings. But for now, it's important to, to, to remember that Jesus' sayings were rooted in what he called the reign of God, or what some call the kingdom. Um, the, the, for, for the Jesus of sayings Gospel Q, a world where God reigns is a world where I trust God to, to, to take care of me by sending people who will care for me, while I take care of you and listen to God when God calls me to take care of you. This is, again, from uh, the Gospel of Jesus by James M. Robinson. Jesus' basic issue, still basic today, is that most people have solved the human dilemma for themselves at the expense of everyone else, putting them down so as to stay afloat themselves. This vicious antisocial way of coping with the necessities of life only escalates the dilemma for the rest of society. I am hungry because you hoard food. You are cold because I hoard clothing. Our dilemma is that we all hoard supplies in our backpacks and put our trust in our wallets. Such security should be replaced by God reigning, which means both what I trust God to do, to activate you to share food with me, and what I hear God calling me to do, to share clothes with you. We should not carry money while bypassing the poor or wear a backpack with extra clothes and food while ignoring the cold and the hungry living in the gutter. This is why the beggars, the hungry, the depressed, are fortunate. God, that is, those in whom God rules, those whom hearken to God, will care for them. The needy are called upon to trust that God's reigning is for them. Theirs is the kingdom of God. Heart group application this week. In the first century, Jesus proclaimed good news to the poor, the hungry, and those who mourn. In our society, Whom do you think Jesus would proclaim good news to today? Most definitely, it would still be the poor, the hungry, and the mourning. But whom else would it include? Which other members of your human family would Jesus call you to trust God to send people to take care of you while calling you to take time today to take care of them? So number one, discuss this question with your heart group and see which people or communities you come up with. Number two, dedicate some time each week during your heart group to to share experiences that you have had when, when you do reach out and take care of someone in need. And then number three, at the end of this special sharing time each week, share who you might have, have come in contact with the previous week that, that may need your group's help, and then combine your group's resources to see how you can care for them in the upcoming week. For Jesus, the reign of God, or the kingdom, looked like people taking care of people, while trusting God that if, if we would choose a world of care, that this would bring, it would actually bring uh, about a new human reality for us all. It's a world that we like to describe as a world where only love reigns. We'll take a look at the next passage in Sings Gospel Q next week. Uh, but for, day, for today, um, here are the words of Jesus. Blessed are you, poor, for God's reign is for you. Blessed are you who hunger, for you will eat your fill. Blessed are you who mourn, for you will be consoled. That's Sings Gospel Q, 6, 20-21 from Robinson. Thanks for taking the time to, to journey with me in this series. I love each one of you dearly. I'll see you next week.
thank you once again for listening. Everything we do here at Renewed Heart Ministries is for free. Even our educational seminars that we do in various venues. We are a not-for-profit religious re-education ministry. If you'd like to support the work of Renewed Heart Ministries, you can make a one-time gift or you can become one of our monthly contributors by going to www.renewedheartministries.com and clicking the Donate tab at the top right. Or you can mail your contributions to Renewed Heart Ministries, P.O. Box 1211, Lewisburg, West Virginia, 24901. Make sure you also sign up for our our free resources. And remember, every little bit helps. And, And as always, anything we receive above and beyond our annual budget, we gladly give away to other charities that are making uh, both systemic and personal differences, significant differences in the lives of the poor. And to those of you who are already supporting the work of RHM, we simply could not do this uh, without you. From all of us here at Renewed Heart Ministries, thank you.